0: I'm Paul Bates, and this is the Fermentation Podcast. Join me on this journey to put fermentation into practice, create culture, and revive this lost art that connects all of us to our cultures of the past. Today is Friday, December 19th, 2014, and this is episode number 18. So today I have to tell you, I have a monster of a show for you, and I have the pleasure of having Jane Campbell on, who runs Fermenter's Kitchen. And when you talk to someone with the amount of knowledge and experience that Jane has, it's really hard to find things that she actually hasn't done, but I tried. And for this episode, I actually polled Jane's audience, which is a Fermenter's Kitchen Facebook group, for anything they'd love to ask her, and the questions just kept coming, so I threw in as many of those as I could at the end. Now I think you're really going to enjoy this talk, but first... All the topics and links for today's show will be in the show notes at fermentationpodcast.com. If you'd like to get a hold of me, as always, email me at paulafermentationpodcast.com or go to the website and click on the contact button on the top. You can also connect to me on Facebook, Pinterest, YouTube, and Twitter. Just go to fermentationpodcast.com and you should see the links in the sidebar. Also, it's been fun having so many interesting guests on the show. So if you'd like to be a guest on the show, just head out to the website, click on the guest button on the top, and there's a guest submission form there I have for you to fill out. I also want to mention that Christmas is only a week away, and just like a lot of other places. I'll be shutting down for the holidays, but hopefully this episode should tide you over since it's at least twice as large as a regular episode. But I'll be back at the beginning of the year to bring you some fermentation ideas to get you healthy and vibrant into the new year. And I also plan on getting into some new fermentation recipes and, of course, taking beautiful pictures to go along with it. I know a lot of people start up gym memberships or get outside and exercise. And after all the holiday treats, I'm sure you'll probably be ready to kick your health back into gear. So hopefully I can give you guys some good ideas in the fermentation realm in the beginning of 2015. I look back on 2014, and boy, what a year that was, and it's really only been in the past few months that I even started the Fermentation Podcast, but it's been a lot of fun, and I've really enjoyed all the emails, messages, support, and all the great conversations I've had on the show with such interesting people. So to wrap up the year, let's talk to the amazing Jane Campbell. All right, today we have on the show Jane Campbell, who runs the website Fermenter's Kitchen and also has quite a few Facebook groups, including the very popular Fermenter's Kitchen Facebook group at over 15,000 members strong. She has a passion for fermenting and started her journey back in 1983 or even, I guess, 1979. So she's been at this for over 30 years now. Hey, Jane, welcome to the Fermentation Podcast.
1: Hi, Paul. Well, thank you very much.
0: So, uh, like we were talking about previously, you know, before we started this, I guess you said you had started back in, what, 1979, yes. you know, with your fermenting. Can you maybe give the audience a brief introduction of yourself and, um, you know, a little bit of your background? Like, how in the world did you get into fermenting?
1: Well, I did start back in 1979. I was living in Reno at the time, working at a casino. And we had a weekend off and we went to San Francisco. I have never eaten sourdough bread in my life I was at a cafe a little one and i said to the the server i said w- what kind of bread is this and he said you know sourdough bread that they make in-house and i said well how's it made they're very nice back then and he told me and i he says well it's done off the started. that's very old and i says can i buy some well they gave me a big jar and they gave me a loaf of bread and that is how it's all started
0: oh wow yeah that's that's pretty cool so they actually gave you the starter?
1: Yep, they gave me the starter and I still have her.
0: Wow. You know, I I have I've never actually got a starter from anywhere. I've tried to make some like myself, but yeah, I it would be kind of cool getting a starter that was like really old. I hear some of the stories, a couple hundred year old starter that people, you know, keep going.
1: Yes, uh this one is supposedly at least that old. Uh he got it back. He came from Italy, so it's an Italian one. And um, of course, you know, they say Things don't, will change with the, um, with the area you're at. She's had a lot of moves.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you don't so still she, have that one, do you?
1: Uh, yeah, I still have her. Wow. Oh, yeah, of course. I, I had like 19 or 21 different sourdough starters.
0: Oh man. That's quite a few. E-
1: e- things. Yes. And you know, there's, there's always, I pick one out of the refrigerator and that's one I work with for a week. Because I bake about five times a, right now because it's so cold now. When it's hot in the summertime, I don't bake for four months. So when I finally can start making my bread, I go for it. And I'm baking about five times a week right now.
0: Is that all um, sourdough or is it yep. just?
1: Nope, all sourdough. I make sourdough uh, muffins, sourdough scones, pizza. Uh, I'm going to be making some pizza dough tonight with the sourdough. I just made a loaf of bread for dinner. Uh So, yeah.
0: I hear some people like to make pancakes and
1: pancakes, well, biscuits. Wow. Yes, I make wow. Yeah.
0: Boy, that's, that's really something else. I mean, there would be no way I'd be able to bake that much. But being in the it's fermenter... It's actually
1: quite easy, uh, especially now the techniques have changed so much. In 1979, we didn't have the Internet. I mean, I don't think Atari was around at the time. So all the stuff I learned, the, the old techniques, was all done with a lot of errors. That's uh, so what everyone says. Well, Jane, you know, the Internet. And I says, well, I didn't have that.
0: Yeah, I was actually going to bring that up because, you know, when I first kind of got into fermentation, like I, I've said before in previous podcasts, uh, you know, I had read The Art of Fermentation and Wild Fermentation by Sandra Katz. And,
1: which came out in the 80s, so I, I didn't have that.
0: Yeah, that's what I was wondering. So, man, that's that's really something. Who actually taught you all of this? I know you got the sourdough starter, but when did you start getting involved in pickles and sauerkraut and...
1: Sauerkraut was the one in 84. That's what my girlfriend's grandmother came over from Germany and wanted to teach Ruth how to do sauerkraut. She had no interest. She was brought up on it. Didn't, I says, Oh, I want to learn. So that's, she taught me how to make sauerkraut. Yeah. So, and that was back in 84, 82. You know, the years get mixed up. And that's how I did it. Did I make some mistakes? Yes. Like I didn't have everything underneath the brine. And I hate to say it, but back then, a few times I even canned it, not knowing any better. Yeah, you don't know better, you know. Uh, there was basically no books, or if there was, I probably couldn't afford them anyways, because you know. And everyone says, "Well, oh, you didn't." No, I didn't do massive amounts. I didn't have the money. <laughs> 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 I and mean, we just bought a house. You know, we had two cars, so it was just like so. That's where the money went. That I did do sauerkraut. I ate as much of it fresh. Then after a while, I says, "Oh, it might go bad." Not knowing any better, it's you know, back in the eighties, it was still. The internet just wasn't around.
0: So was there something that kind of drew you toward fermented products? Or was there, I, I know you got the sourdough starter and then you said um, about the sauerkraut. I mm-hmm. guess it just kind of went from there.
1: Yeah. Well, actually, between the sourdough starter and sauerkraut, I actually got a, a vinegar mother, a red wine vinegar mother from another friend. She says, oh, wait, since you're doing that, why don't you do this too?
0: Oh, and then you just kind of became a collector of all well, kinds of starters. Yep.
1: Well, when people find out you're from it, because, you know, back then it was just all you'd talk about jobs and all that. And you'd say, oh, I got another. And they'll say, well, yeah, we all have one. And then you explain to them what it is and all that. And then, you know, some people want to trade, some people don't. And you just go. And that's how it all started. is is quite an interesting way of starting because it was just through talk. Friends finding out that, you know, they'd say, well, you know, I know someone who, d- who does uh, sourdough and vinegar. And then they say, oh, well, then have it, give her this.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's a very social thing. I love the way fermentation and just the fermenter's kitchen. It's very much about a social, you know, I guess that's why they call it culture.
1: Yes. It, it is. It's very much so. And I like it that something I may not know about or don't care, you know, like I don't like coconut. So people ask me about coconut water and I go, I don't know. I don't like coconut. <laughs> and someone else, and I'll say Well, hopefully another member. And of course there's always like five others that will say, Oh, I know what I, all about it. So it's always nice that even if I don't know about something or don't like the case. Someone else will jump in and say, I know all about it.
0: That's the really nice thing about the group because, you know, all of these members, they're all over the US. Like, you know, I'm in Florida. That's true. And uh, Melanie that I just had on in the last podcast, she's in Fermenter's Kitchen and, you know, she's in North Dakota. Yes. And then we got Mark Campbell all the way on the West Coast.
1: Yes, he's in California. His family's actually in Seattle like mine. So we talk uh, and it's just we actually have them throughout the world. It's really interesting. It's, you know, my web designer. She's in England.
0: Oh, yeah. And it's amazing the different pictures that people come up with you know, you're visiting a different country, and then you see a pot of something sitting there, I bet you could probably find tons of them over in, you know, Asia. And yeah, yeah, pretty amazing. So how has it been, you know, to run from interest Kitchen, like the Facebook group, now that it has over 15,000 members, you know, which is gigantic?
1: <laughs> we grew 12,000 this year. Last year, it was, you know, because it's two, it's it's a little over two years old. And I started out with 12 members.
0: Wow. 12,000 this year. That's yeah,
1: 12,000 this year. I've been ca- kind of, it's kind of interesting because like in January, we got like 2,100 new members.
0: Wow. I would say that's definitely an explosion.
1: It's very much so. And it's, it's really quite interesting. I go went them this little tiny 12 member group on my, basically my admins, you know, and it's just, it's been fun. It's what's nice about having so many now is I'm not the one who has to answer all the questions. I used to ask questions, because to keep your group growing and interested, you have to post at least every other day as, as, as the person who started it or someone. And when you first start out, people are kind of shy.
0: Yeah, I I know exactly how you mean. It's that
1: small. You know, they're shy and all that. So I just ask a question. Oh, what would you like to ferment next? And that's actually how we started doing the group projects is, you know, people say, well, I'd love to learn this. I go, oh, so would I. Let's do it as a project. So that I try to do a monthly project too.
0: Yeah, I've definitely heard from other people that run, you know, either podcasts or websites or blogs or it seems like you do have to post. You know, say if you post every single day, you're going to get a whole lot of people finally following you because, you know, it's a regular thing. It's part of their, you know, ritual, I guess. Like, yes. um, I have to put out a podcast every week, you know, just to, to make sure everybody is still happy with, you know, the, the fermentation podcast. But yeah, with, with the group though, with it exploding to 15,000 members, I would say if you have a question on fermentation and you post in the fermenters Facebook group, Uh I would be really surprised if you don't get replies within at least like three minutes.
1: Agreed. Agreed. And sometimes it's one of the slower times because we do have a few sometimes. In the summertime, Mondays are busier. The Mondays are usually slower now. I've noticed Mondays and Tuesdays. I try to watch And when I see some of them drop down, if I don't know the answer, I'll put a little dot, a period, so it goes up towards the top so someone else can see it. Uh, Because I want people to always feel welcome, get their questions answered, and just have fun. I mean, I think that's what the group should be about. And sometimes we get off topic, which is part of having people. I mean, I'm one of the biggest ones, so I'll sit there and get off (laughs) topic. (laughs) <laughs> uh, it's just like when i t- teach them fermentation we're always off topic it's just like one word they slice and the other they slice up cabbage next thing you know we're talking about how to ferment fish
0: <laughs> yeah, i know oh look squirrel <laughs> <laughs> it, it's amazing too i would have to say your facebook group you know the fermenter's kitchen is probably the one of the most engaging you know if you post something i would say you're probably more likely to get any kind of um, action on it than any other Facebook group out there, it, just because, you know, I, I guess people are just so interested in this. And it, um, I guess having more of like a, a closed group, it feels more like a family kind of a thing rather than just like a public forum.
1: Well, the reason why I did do it closed is my family understands a little bit what I do, but not, you know, all they know is when I go back home, I bring home a suitcase full of sauerkrauts. I usually take about anywhere from seven to 15 different tights. So that's what they know about. They do not want to see things of mold in my <laughs> news feed. So that's the, basically the reason why I'm thinking, well, do I want open? No, because I prefer people not knowing some of the stuff that can go wrong with this stuff.
0: <laughs> I'm always thinking about that when I'm posting in a group or something. Yeah, I wonder what my friends are thinking about me posting about pickles or... You know,
1: especially when they realize if they don't realize how much you are into it. I don't think a lot of they will now (laughs) how much I am into it and how much I actually do.
0: Yeah. Like a, I talked to a handful of your admins, probably most often Saffron Blue and Sherry. And, you know, those people are so great. They're they're so kind. And, you know, they they just say they just want to make the Facebook group the best it can be. And they're also full of information. You know?
1: Oh, every one of them are. Uh, actually, Saffron's the one that got me go, really going big onto my hot sauces. Uh, it's just it, all the admins I have are wonderful. And they all do something a little different. Judy's a baker. Ginger does a lot of misos. Sherry does a little bit of everything like I do. Saffron is so wonderful with the hot sauces. And, and, and we have Sharon and um, Mary Ruth and Jeannie. Uh, they're trying to remember everyone. They're just <laughs> wonderful. Then you have Jennifer who runs Farm to Fermentation um, Festival in August. It's just, you know, I'm very lucky with my admins.
0: Yeah, they're a, a great group of people. Yes. So why did you decide to go with a Facebook group instead of like a, you know, a lot of other people do like a website forum?
1: I, I, actually, I didn't have my website. My website's not really as, that old as I got the, I didn't really realize how big it was. I'll be honest. I was on uh, one other um commenting group and then it started saying, well, we don't want pictures uh, uh, vessels, because, you know, I-, I love looking at crops in post one, please, <laughs> make me jealous. You know? So I-, <laughs> I love looking at it. I love when people get a whole bunch of new fetos or, uh, you know, a new barrel, and they stopped a lot of that. And I says, that's the reason why Fementer's Kitchen was born, because I wanted to see things like that.
0: Yeah, it's great. And everybody is pretty much already on Facebook right now anyway. So
1: it's amazing. Yes. And honestly, I didn't even realize it would go the way I did. I didn't realize fermentation was as big as it. Well, it's definitely gotten bigger over the last two years. Uh, it's just for me, it's been amazing at where the group's gone and how well it is.
0: So does it seem like, cause you know, you've been at this for 30 years now. Mm-hmm. Does it seem like only recently it's actually started to become more popular or has there been kind of like an upswing in the last 10 years or when did you start seeing more interest in it?
1: I, being from the west coast i'd say it's been about 15 years there being in the midwest now it's just now starting i'd say in the last couple of years because when i first started teaching fermentation classes about six seven years ago i got no one to sign up and yet in california they'd sell out
0: do you still teach fermentation classes today
1: yes i do i i teach at um st louis community college and parkway schools they're you know they're Community ed-, ed type classes, and now my uh, fermentation classes uh, usually sell out. I had one that I had to add on a couple times because we just kept selling out. Because I only allow the twelve students, being with NICE and all that, I want to watch and see what goes on and let them know.
0: Yeah, but in St. Louis, that's actually right where I was born. So what yeah. a, what a coincidence,
1: isn't it? Yeah. Then I go to California, and I'm going to be um, having a, a lectures. Whatever workshop at the farm fermentation um, in California next year.
0: Wow! Yeah, I'm sure California, uh, that whole area is probably very much into this. Like, well, com- that, I com- think
1: the cottage food still has helped. You know, they can sell stuff from their home.
0: Yeah, definitely. we don't um,
1: have that yet. I'm, I keep trying. I keep saying, I got to try and get that.
0: I guess getting into maybe some of the the ferments that you do to say like in a normal. Uh, I was even going to say a couple of weeks or a month, but since you just have so much going, maybe like on a, a weekly basis, what all do you do?
1: Well, today, I can tell you what I've done today. I've already made a sourdough loaf for dinner. Um I just now, um when I get off here because I don't want the hydrator going, uh, I just scrapped some grains that I'll be milling uh, for the next bread. I've got brown rice soaking for koji, and I'm going to be making hamazaki with my white rice uh, koji that I made uh, last week.
0: I was going to bring that up. I noticed in, um, cause I know you have a few other Facebook groups, like the miso Facebook group that was recently created. Yep. I saw you, um, you've been making miso, rice koji. Can you kind of describe what exactly, I mean, I'm sure everybody knows what miso is, but what about rice koji and amazaki? Well,
1: um, rice ko- koji is where you take, I'm going to say white rice is the easiest one to work with. The brown rice, you have to put it through the pros- food processor and try and get it scratched up enough. And then I buy my spores through um gym Cultures. Uh you have to buy your spores. Uh and then you um actually you steam your rice, you soak it, you steam it, you drain it, and then you add the spores at hundred and twenty degrees, I think. It might be a little higher, but right around there. And then you spread it out. I have the cedar trays that Eric has made. And I at one time I used to do it in the oven you got to really watch the temperature in the oven more so than in the mirror. Uh, and so I used to put it in the oven. I used to have two trays, and uh, i do two different kinds. And you, it takes anywhere from 24 hours to three days, depending on your temperature. Hopefully it doesn't drop till low. You have to try and make sure it doesn't jump in temp. You don't want it above 103 because then you can kill it. Mm-hmm. Well, a quite yeah. And then everyone asked, well, what does it smell like? I think the easiest way to explain it, it's almost like a mushroom, but not quite. It's got a sweet smell. I don't know if anyone's had amazake that is made with uh, white rice koji and it's a drink. You make it concentrated and then you add in from one to one ratios. I usually go two to one and sometimes three to one depending on my mood. And they actually call it um, a sake, but it's not. There's no alcohol in it because it's only fermented and uh, fermented for um, 36 hours, I think.
0: So it's a little bit sweet.
1: Yeah, very sweet. If you, especially if it, it's concentrated, it's very sweet. Okay. But yes, it's a sweeter drink, and it's it's an interesting drink because you also get the rice, and you also make a porridge with the rice, and you combine the two, so the two kind of eat. You know, the uh, the koji kind of um, eats the uh, sugars off the rice. It's quite tasty.
0: And with um, the koji, I guess this is because uh, you said spores. This is more of a, a mold kind of a thing. Yes. You said you used to do this in your oven, and then I saw you post pictures. I guess you said the, the Miro, that's like a, a box.
1: It's a four feet tall box, Eric made, and, um, it fits the, uh, trays in there, and it's got a uh, humidifier and, um, heat. So okay. it's pretty well self-supporting until the, the, um, item, whatever you're doing, I do. Several different tides. Let's say white rice koji decides to spike in tempest. Of course, the box can't stir it, but it does everything else, which is kind of cool. I don't have to get up four times in a night, which I used to when I had the oven to make sure it didn't overheat.
0: I guess you could even use, um, use that to make yogurt since it's, you know, you can adjust the temperature or is it a little different?
1: Yeah, that's a little different. I try to use my proofer for that. Um, uh, which is meant for, I actually use the, um, cooler. From my yogurt. And I just put a hot, uh, fill my mason jars, full of hot water, and put them in there and have them mixed to each other.
0: Okay. Do you do a lot of yogurt making?
1: Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I, at this time of year, it's easy to give away that uh, cheese and that, you know, that you strain it till it's almost dry, then you put it in olive oil with spi- uh, spices or herbs. And um, just I tell people, it doesn't have to go in the refrigerator. It'll last right around. I've had it up to eight months without refrigerated.
0: I'm sure you have all kinds of starters and yogurt, don't you?
1: Yeah, I do. <laughs> I have three heated, seven or eight tub tabletops, which is non not heated.
0: Wow, pretty amazing. Yeah. That's yeah. that's quite a bit to take care of. Do you, you know, having all of this stuff together? Do you have to, you know, have somewhat of like a spreadsheet, or do you have a journal or anything that you have to follow I, everything?
1: I don't, and I keep saying I'm going to. Now I do. I have a journal for my Koji. That's the only way I've been getting consistent results. I'll go back and read all my notes on my Kojis. Other than that, um, it's pretty sad. I'm going on memory, and I shouldn't be. I should be writing, especially with all the stuff I have going. I mean, because then you talk about wines, beers, meads. You know, I just have a lot going, and I really should write everything down. I usually have certain – on a certain day, I go check this. a certain day, I go check that. So I usually have – it's become a habit. Monday, I'll just go run around checking on my sauerkrauts, if I have any of them going.
0: So I guess it sounds like, you know, if this is just a way of life, then, you know, there's not really forgetting anything because it just becomes part of your routine.
1: It, it is part of my routine. I have forgotten things when it's put in an unusual spot. Sometimes I'd run out of area for my sauerkrauts because when cabbage goes on sale and all that, I'll buy a lot of it. And uh, so then it'll be on the bench and then I'll forget about one. But usually I remember within, you know, a few weeks and it can sit there. As long as it's underneath the brine, it's fine. And another thing, great things. If it does go soft, I just dehydrate it <laughs> and it's crispy.
0: Yeah, true. I did a, a thing recently on making pickle salt and I had a lot of people in the fermenter's kitchen. They replied, Oh yeah, I've had that. It's really good. Or sauerkraut salt or
1: yes, sauerkraut salt, hot sauce. I'll actually combine, I'll actually dry that sometimes, or I'll make, um, add my hot sauce to salt and then let that dry out. It's, it's, you can take it as far as you want. That's what I tell people. Just aim for the sky. It's amazing what you can do.
0: Oh, I'm sure. With all the different things that you do ferment, because it sounds like you have so many things going. Uh, I'm sure, you know, you fit any kind of different ferments into your diet, but, What would be like your food philosophy? You know, how do you eat and how does fermentation fit into that?
1: How do I eat? In the morning, I usually try to have yogurt. And then um, I usually try to have fermented jam. Uh, At lunch, I usually have sauerkraut and maybe a piece of my bread. Now, my husband does not eat any of my ferments. Wow. Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) You you don't try to sneak him in there?
1: I've been accused of it. So uh, the few times I have done it, I have to stop now because he's getting wise. I, you know, sometimes <laughs> I'll try and get it, I'll put a spoonful of miso into, uh, like super mat and he'll say, well, this tastes pretty good. What'd you do? I go, oh, it's a different salt. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not really lying.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. He didn't ask me if it was fermented. Well, <laughs> so hopefully. I kind of go with that. But, um, I tried to fit as many ferments as possible. Now when I start feeling kind of icky, you know, I, when I was working, I worked at a grocery store, so you know you're around people all the time, and it's it's hard. So what I used to do is when I started feeling, you know, not quite like me, I I upped everything, like my kombucha, um, my milk thistle, I I'd take on that uh, fire, uh, I call it fire water, the stuff done with the ACV and all that. I, I I'll take that and I'll up everything, my sauerkrauts, everything, and I haven't had a cold. Or the flu, knock on wood, in eight years, nine years.
0: Wow, that's really saying something.
1: Since, yeah, and I work, and I used, I don't now, I, I since then quit slash retired. And that's working with the public.
0: Yeah, true. It's, it's
1: healthy devices. you know, I'm not saying I'm a doctor, I'm not giving medical advice, but if you can take it, I'm a front believer in it.
0: I think it only just strengthens you, all of these different kinds of ferments, because there's just so much life in them. It's yes. pre- pretty
1: amazing. And it's easy on your system, too. So, you know, uh, a lot of people will say to me, Oh, when I'm not feeling well, I'll have a bowl of miso soup. Why don't you make the miso? I says, well, I don't want to make koji. I go, you don't have to make koji. You can buy koji. That's how I started out. I wasn't too sure that I wanted to get into it that much.
0: How long does it take you to make miso? You know, say from starting to where you can actually eat it? Because normally I always think of like a year long or something.
1: Well, if you make a quick batch, which I'm doing for friends... um, since it's a little cooler here at night, it's probably going to be about eight weeks. But if it's in the summertime, it'll be done in about three to four weeks. I have one um, miso that I'm going to have go for five years.
0: Wow, that's a long time.
1: It is a long time, and others are usually done in one to two years. Yeah, I have one that I'm going to go. It's been going for two years now. So,
0: would that be more of the like the commercial types that you buy? That uh, would be like, I guess, a finished miso, or uh, how how does the taste compare? From like a three week one to a two or five year one.
1: The three week or the quick misos are are sweet. I just made one, so I'll say they have uh, it's jam cultures. It's not my recipe. It's three and a half week, three and a half cups of koji to one cup of beans. So you can see how sweet and it's sweet because it only I think it only calls for a tablespoon and a half of salt.
0: Oh, that's, that doesn't seem yeah, like that.
1: Much. It's quite, you know, it is a tasty one. I, I, I do enjoy I, I, I try to make sure I have some of that house because it's fun. It's easy. The people who aren't used to me sell, they love it because it's not real salty. Everyone thinks you can take a spoon and put your, especially with the, the uh, red ones, take your spoon in it and just start eating. And I go, no, 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 that's salty. That's as a condiment. You add it to things. Which you can add to almost anything. Everyone thinks soups, but think mayonnaise. Um, uh, I had a friend that said, uh, do a caramel sauce. I huh. did some caramel sauce for a festival, uh, for a uh, potluck I went to in Kansas City last, earlier this year. And that was a big hit. Everyone had to say, well, this is so different. What is it? I go, it's miso caramel sauce. And of course I made the caramel sauce and then I added miso at what, when it cooled down. So it's, it's interesting.
0: That is really interesting. I never, a, a caramel sauce with miso.
1: Really? It's quite tasty because you know you get the sh- the salt and you get the flavor and and uh, yesterday I made some chickpeas with um, miso.
0: Okay, so yeah. you don't. Uh, I've seen that before where you use chickpeas instead of um, soybeans.
1: Well, no, this was cooked in the oven as an appetizer.
0: Oh, okay. Yes, gotcha.
1: I do. I don't work a lot with soy, uh, not for any reason. I'm not allergic to it or anything else. I love the taste of chickpeas.
0: Oh yeah, they're they're definitely good. Yes. <laughs>
1: Yeah, You can't go wrong with that. I actually make chickpea tempeh.
0: Chickpea tempeh? Yeah. Oh, I've never even thought of that.
1: Yeah, I don't make, I've never made soybean tempeh because you have to take all the hulls off. <laughs> with the chickpea, you just do a slight mash and there you go.
0: Okay, and you still use the same starter, you know, yeah, the cook.
1: Yeah,
0: tempeh, tempeh, starter, yeah. Yeah, I might have to try that sometime. So I've, I've been really interested in getting into miso and tempeh and, and all of those kind of things. It's really strange when you see uh, the process of it and you see, you know, you start off with the layer of beans and then just this thick white. I know.
1: It's amazing, <laughs> isn't it? I, one of my favorite things, and uh, I used to take it to work as a big bowl of, I call it uh, mock chicken salad. When no one hears the mock, they hear the chicken salad. Next thing you know, it's all gone. They say, well, we want some more chicken salad. I go, you need mock. No we need chicken salad. I says, well, there is no chicken in there. They go, yes, there was. Well, I fried the tempeh in coconut oil. I use my, um, cultured mayonnaise. I use my fermented hot sauce, my fermented onions, my fermented jalapenos, and uh, whatever else I could put in there. And then you make bread, you take it to work, and I guarantee you everyone's going to love it because no one hears the mock. They hear the chicken salad and they, lo- they loved it. <laughs> and everything was fermented in it, and that's what's even more fun.
0: Well, I guess, you know, maybe that's not too surprising since some of the most popular foods out there, you know, cheese and wine and beer. And... Chocolate. Yeah, chocolate, coffee.
1: Coffee? Yeah. You see, I like chocolate and coffee, too.
0: Oh, yes. Um...
1: I always tell people I'm eating it.
0: <laughs> Guilty as charged.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, where would I be without it sometimes, especially my coffee in the morning? <laughs> but, yeah, it's just, it's amazing. It's, my husband will say, well, I don't eat it, as he's having pizza with cheese, drinking it with beer. And, of course, uh, I make the pizza, so it's sourdough pizza. And I'm just going, no, you don't eat any ferments. <laughs> so, <laughs> I just said there's yes, – because he does – you know, most people don't think of it. I mean, he knows it's fermented, but it's just like you don't think of it as a ferment. Because everyone thinks ferment, oh, sauerkraut. Oh, no. Most of it, especially if it's made by someone, is fermented.
0: So what are some of the – you know, some other things, I mean, other than like sauerkraut, and what are some other interesting things that you've fermented?
1: Fish sauce, uh, it's fish and salt. It's been going now for a year and a half.
0: Oh, that, that sounds, I guess, just like I had, um, I've mentioned this a few times, but, uh, Ariana Mullins was, you know, a few episodes back and she had talked about, I guess, with when you make fish sauce, it's like a fermented fish and they use it as a dip to bring to the beach over in Asia or. Yes, very
1: and- popular. It's just too bad now I can't try it i I got some bad fish in the end uh I'm allergic to fish now to a point where I can't breathe so and i i I don't ever get anything out unless I try it, so I'll just strain it one day and then let it sit there and look pretty. Let's see what else do I make i um make um do a lot of nothing to I just got to go through it
0: uh, I bet you can even wherever your uh fermentation rack is, just look at all the jars on there. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, they're all over. <laughs> See, I'm doing, um I've made sake, make meads, I make wines, beer. Of course, all the vegetables, just about anything I'm interested in. Everyone says, oh, about broccoli. I, I don't like broccoli. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs>
1: I do a black bean paste. It's delicious. Uh, mm-hmm. I do whole apples in the fall. And wh- when you bite into it, you slice it and you eat it. they slightly soft, not real so- soft, slightly soft. And it's a hard cider, a slight hard cider inside.
0: That's interesting. I've never heard of uh, fermenting the whole apple.
1: The whole apple. Um, nothing to give to children. It's definitely an adult. It's, it's not where you're going to get, Oh my goodness, I'm going to get drunk. No, it's not that. It's just, it's a higher alcohol than I'd ever get to a child. I do whole cabbages and then I, um, I'll do like a chopped, um, sauerkraut inside and then I'll add some, um, tempeh and then I'll roll it up and people will eat it thinking that it's something different because it is. So it's like a, a cabbage roll then that's not ever cooked. Uh, I ferment hot sauces. I do two kinds a year. I now got a five-gallon barrel, which I've had, and then put my hot sauce in there. And then after it's done fermenting, I take it out, and then I add either mead or wine in there and let that get the hot spiciness also.
0: Oh, that sounds really good. Mead yeah. and wine. Do you- I,
1: I'm not so technical. Um, I tell Um People say, oh, you know, and I go, well, I just do it for fun. And I've been lucky enough where it's worked out.
0: Yeah, I was actually curious on the, say, the mead, wine, or beer. Do you just use commercial yeast? Or- yes, I
1: do. Yes, uh, especially with the beer. Um, I know some people will do the um, back sloshing. I don't do it enough to do that, to keep it active. I just use my commercial yeast for my um, meads and wines. I have made hard cider um, when you can get the raw, which is really hard, uh, and I have done that naturally. Um, you got to really watch it because it will go from hard cider to vinegar, you know, because it usually it's still like 100 degrees here. And our humidity is usually 90% in the summertime. So it's just I really have to watch that. Now, especially when I was working. But yeah, you can definitely do some of it with a wild. And some of it I wouldn't take a chance. I have done fruit wines wild. I'd let the fr- the uh wild yeast on the wines.
0: Yeah, all they're it's-
1: fermenting for me.
0: It seems like you can you can do that with wine a little more over than beer. The
1: fruit ones you can. Mead I haven't tried with mead. I will just be honest, I haven't tried with meat. I just like I have this certain one that I like using and I play with the they're different ones and
0: You'd almost think, you know, you wouldn't be able to mess anything with honey up. But I, I did, I uh, have a local brewer here and they had made, um, somewhat of like a, a, mead. And then just, they said, Oh, no, you know, you can't try this. Tastes horrible. I said, No, no, bring it out anyway. And I took a sip of it and actually it didn't taste that great.
1: Yeah. Sometimes now I do like my things drier. So I sometimes will let it go it's so dry that it's, as one person says, it's like champagne. So what I started doing is adding some sugar water or this simple syrup. Stirred in 24 hours before I bottle and then get champagne bottles and then cork it and then it's like a champagne. It's a mead champagne then. You just tell people the champagne because they won't know it's mead because it's not sweet at all.
0: That sounds really good. What yeah. are some of the different flavors of mead you've tried to make?
1: Um, I've done raspberry. Of course, I'm not remembering all the names other than, you know, the, I've done cherry because I love cherry. I've done rosemary. That was an interesting one. I like a lot of plain ones because when I go, you know how funny people say, well, I bring home a spice net. Uh, I, when I go traveling, I bring home honey. <laughs> and one of my favorite honeys is the one I get in Chicago. And it's done on, the these are on the rooftops. Wow. And it's made, it's always made the best meat I've ever had.
0: Oh, probably. I'm sure they, they are more like wild foraging. Whereas. Yes. Say, like in Florida, they'll sh- maybe ship in a bunch of bees and then we have probably California too. And yeah. then it's just like a large field of just orange blossoms or I bet mixing it up with all the different types of flowers. Yeah,
1: yeah it's, it's one of the best honeys I've ever had slash meads. It's just, and every year we go there in the summertime and I pick up as much as I can get. Yeah, it's one of the best. Now I do make some mighty fine meads uh, with the honeys here in St. Louis because they're good, but that one is just like I don't know what it is. It's just good.
0: Yeah, I bet sounds really good from all the at least from all the different flavors. That you, everything that you've made, I guess. Uh, what about beer? I, you said you've made a few of those. Do you I just made a
1: few? I don't. I haven't gone to all grain because of the equipment. Um, I uh, it's nothing wrong with the kit. I will be honest between that and my partial grain, you can't tell the difference. It's more for my husband. The problem is I made a cherry one. There again, I love cherries, and I mixed up the bottles. It's not he won't touch it, and I says, "Well, open it up, <laughs> put it in a glass. If it's cherry, I'll take it and add it to my uh, my malt vinegar." Uh, I says, "Because then it's just a cherry flavor. Don't worry about it." They keep saying, well, "Every time I touch," I says, "It's not that many. I've only made twenty-four of them." So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you have to watch it. Watch it with guys in their beer.
1: Yes, yeah. <laughs> yes, that's the truth. <laughs>
0: So what would be, um, I guess some of your favorite recipes, you know, I guess just like an overview, maybe some of like, um, the favorite ferments that you make, um, in a year.
1: Well, definitely hot sauce. Um, I give that away. It's, people love it. I have a list running now and every year it keeps getting bigger. Um, cause then they'll let someone try it and they want it. It's definitely hot sauces. I love chipotle carrots, which is done in the brine.
0: On the hot sauce, what kind of peppers do you use?
1: I use hot. Cause it does die down. I mean, like, I, I grew habaneros. I was lucky. One plant gave me 24 peppers.
0: That's not uh, bad. I
1: do cherry bombs, which I get in, um, Chicago, um, habaneros, uh, scotch bonnets. And then I make a little Nile door one plus a couple of my other family uh, members. I also make a jalapeno one. And all my, um, hot sauces are shelf stable. So there's, they're not heated, but I do add a little bit. A vinegar just to stabilize them where they won't get the kiln use. Okay. Yeah. So they're not heated. It's just that I just add enough vinegar to stabilize them. And they stay out on the counter.
0: Oh, I love hot
1: sauce. Yeah. So do I. Uh, Too bad I'm get to keep one. I make like 36 bottles. I'm lucky that I keep one for myself. I go, I can to stop getting my stuff away. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hot sauce this year. Uh, chipotle carrots or anything with carrots. I love the brine carrots. I love my, my beet pickles with the slice real thin and I instead of, um, instead of pickle, I'll put my bead on there put um, something different. I always had a sauerkraut I like. I, it's the sauerkraut I'm doing at the moment that's my favorite. Of course, wine. Uh, mead. It's more mead than wine. I love mead.
0: Oh, if I had my preference, I could probably just have mead for the rest of my life.
1: Exactly. And it's not hard to make. Honey, water, and yeast. Really, it's that easy.
0: I guess it's just having to wait for it.
1: Uh Yes, uh, and the longer you wait, the better, better it is. Because uh, people say, oh, it's just too harsh. So i got to give it time. A lot of my bad batches have been the best because I've given it a couple years.
0: Do you ferment it out all the way to where it's very dry?
1: Uh Sometimes. The Chicago one, I don't. I like that one a little sweeter. I do sometimes. And it depends. You know, if I'm giving it away, I tend to try not to, unless I'm going to give it away as champagne. Um, but I, I tend to, because sometimes I like mixing it. Because I'll have the mead, and then I'll mix it with a club soda if it's dry, which makes it kind of different. And then, of course, you have your kombucha. I love kombucha. I love, I, I like it better than water kefir. I do have water kefir. But kombucha, you can do so much with it. It's you know it's one of those ones that you can – I like it tart. Um, so uh, a lot of people say, oh, that's just too sour for me. I go, oh, you'll get there. Don't worry. Because <laughs> I didn't start out that way. I got her 86, 87. I've had her for a long time.
0: That's definitely a long time. It's probably older than most people's kids.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> probably older than most of my members. Uh, but yeah, so it's, it's amazing sometimes. It, it, my favorite is always what I'm doing at the time. Uh, I, I do have, like, I like, I love my black bean paste. I love that. I love my fermented garlic. Um, so much you can do with that. It's just what I have going on. I mean, I, in the summertime, my milk at there, I'll make it into ice cream. Huh. So that's good for you. It, it, I always tell people, because people say, well, what about this, this, this? And I says, you can take this, like milk with here, whether I like ice cream. I go, then make it into ice cream. Foment it for a short time, so you get some of it, and then work with it. I says, you know, as you add the cold, I says, and "That's," and I says, it's that easy. I says, you don't always need an ice cream maker, just stick it in the freezer. I've done um, kombucha freezer pots.
0: Oh, that sounds pretty interesting. You know,
1: That's a if you're having kids, you know, cause kids do like the water kefir more so. It's just, you know, so it's, and of course it's flavored with uh, juice, uh, or fruit or whatever you decide.
0: How long do you uh, let your kombucha and water kefir go?
1: My water kefir, you gotta watch them because they'll starve themselves to death. Uh, they usually go about the two days. In the wintertime, maybe three. Um, my kombucha in the summertime is running around 15 days. In the wintertime is 21 to 24 days. So I do like it tart. Okay. Yeah. Most people say, well, oh, I can't drink that. I says, yes, you can. Just put some grape juice in it. One of my favorite ways. Uh, and it's, it's just, and that's how I learned to make wine. I had a friend that says, come on over to my friend. She's got this really cool drink you got to try. She drew her grapes, which was probably Concord because it was so sweet. And that was wine I had. That's how I got started doing wine.
0: Wow. You know, speaking of growing things, do you actually have a big garden or do you have a little garden no. or anything?
1: Or? Um, because where I live, I have um, deer, raccoons, things like that. I grow one or two pepper plants in the front yard. I do grow hops, not for making beers, to add to my meads or my wines or my kombuchas. Uh, so I have I grow hops and uh, garlic. I grow a lot of garlic. I grow 70, 70 heads a year now.
0: Wow, that's a pretty good amount. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing you...
1: have Because anything that's underground, I can grow. I tried onions, but something about my onion patch, no matter where I move it, last year, it was the turtles. This year, it was the ducks. So it's like, it's it's my poor onions are just cursed. I keep trying, though, that, no, I would have, a especially now that uh, I'm not working, I would love to have a huge garden. But we had some good farms around here, so that's where I hit.
0: I'm sure there's probably a farmer's market and... Oh, several especially in the you know the st louis area
1: yeah yep and and we have some farms you can go to uh which it was really great you can go there i'm not into the pick yourself stuff it's just this age i don't want to be doing this back bending uh work so i just go and i uh they're organic local it's cool
0: yeah very cool so say you have somebody that they just joined Fermenter's Kitchen. Um, maybe they saw a friend in, in some kind of a fermenting forum, or they just kind of popped in there, never done anything before. They're kind of nervous about fermentation. What would you tell them, you know, just to calm their fears?
1: Well, no one's died from ferment- fermented foods. You know, as long as you go with, keep everything under the grind, doesn't matter what you use, a crop, uh, a mason jar. That's how I started out with this, with mason jar. Well, actually, I started out with a ragu jar. I couldn't afford a mason jar. Um, keep everything below the grind, and you're going to do fine. Taste often. Check them often. Don't just, you know, I, I, when you're new, taste, and you'll see the changes. You stop it when it's when you like the taste. Don't go this four weeks. If you love it at two weeks, stop it at two weeks. Next time, you might want to go two weeks and three days. But the fermentation has not killed anyone, unlike canning. You cannot chew it and eat and swallow it. I've never had anything that bad, but that's what they've all said. You cannot swallow a bad ferment, ferment. No, they can't get it past your nose.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I yeah, I, s-
1: I've never had it. I, have I had mold? Oh yes, I have. <laughs> and I just throw it away, you know?
0: So you don't do the, the scrape off method or?
1: Oh, I do. Not with, not with the fuzzy or the colored molds. I do it with kiln. Yes, yeah, so I'll, I'll do it that way. And then I stir it, make sure the glass is uh, completely clear of it, and I sprinkle some salt on top. Yeah, but not with fuzzy mold and not with colored mold. That's automatic trash. Gotcha. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think that's a pretty good rule of thumb.
1: Well, you know, you don't know if you can be You go say, well, I don't have any problems with mold. Do you mind if you eat it, eat it? I hear people say all the time, well, I want to try and save it. It can't be saved.
0: What would be some of, like, common mistakes you've made along the way that maybe other people would probably make also?
1: One, do what you love. If you don't like carrots, don't ferment. I've done dark broccoli. Why? I don't know. I don't like it. Uh, so do what you like eating raw. And that's one thing. Two, don't be afraid. The most you'll do is you'll you'll have a failure. And if you take one head, like uh, since it's only me, I'll take one head of cabbage and I'll do it two different ways. I'll cut it in half and I'll do one uh, as a dilly sauerkraut. And another one I'll have hot peppers and all that in it. Just do what you love and don't be afraid. And enjoy the process. I mean, taste often. Because especially when you're new, and eat, I still do this. People say, oh, you don't do that. And of course, that doesn't even dipping your fingers in it. Take a clean fork, eat it. And if you want another bite, take another clean fork or spoon or whatever. And stop using all this antibacterial soap when you're doing your ferments. Because you're do- working with bacteria. And you're killing the good bacteria with that stuff.
0: And I, I would also say, you know, chlorinated water
1: yeah, well, I actually use bottled water. We have decent, we really have some good water here in, um, St. Louis, but they still add some of those chemicals. So for my ferments, I do buy bottled water. Okay. Yeah, I do do that. Uh, you know, it's a like lot people say, well, is a well fine? I go, Can you say, I says, well, it doesn't have a lot of soft, sulfur taste or anything. Sure. I says, give it a try, you <laughs> if you do small, I mean, it's just like a few carrots and you decide, oh, I'm going to try my well. Do a small, but maybe do five carrots. Do it hey. with water and your salt and taste it. If, it, if you like the taste, then do a bigger batch. Sounds good to me. <laughs> yeah, I always do, do it the test. I, I, sometimes I'll say, I wonder if I'll like this. So I'll take like a quarter head of cabbage. You use cabbage. You use the sauerkraut I'm working on. I'll take a quarter and make a very small batch and I'll love it. And hopefully I wrote down what I've put in it. Because I use <laughs> the painters tape and I'll wrap that around my jars and crocks.
0: Okay, that was another thing I was going to ask you. You know, how do you keep track of how long they've been going in the fridge. And...
1: Yeah, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I think, oh, I'll remember. I don't. <laughs> yeah, I have my own fermenting fridge too, so that helps.
0: Oh, yeah, true. I, I'm sure a lot of people start doing that. We have two fridges also. One's in the garage and that has all, most of the, the more longer term things. Yeah. And if I forget to label it, then especially on the um, fermented beverages that are in the the brown beer bottles, it's like <laughs> it's always a big surprise. Like, oh, what's it going to be? <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's such one thing, uh, uh in class I'll tell them I'll have this I work with glass I don't have children so I work with glass and I'm sitting there shaking I says don't do this they go what are you doing I gotta know it's a habit and then I will walk over to the sink and I always have the tea towel and I put it over there it's just a habit now because I've been squirted way too much and I'll open it with a tea towel and they go and I'll say oh come here I look and they'll see this little fountain about four inches above the um, bottle and they go well we have any of that and I says very little but I got another bottle I just won't shake it this time <laughs> <laughs> i want them to be i want people to realize they should have these fermented drinks kombucha and water kateer if you have children do them in plastic
0: yeah that's a good idea for explosions
1: exactly exactly because uh, you know with me it's just me myself my husband and the cat not that i want anyone to be hurt but i don't have a three-year-old who might accidentally tilt it and that's all it takes sometimes and have the glass blow H-
0: have you had any explosions
1: Oh, yes. Many.
0: <laughs> what, what explodes the most? A water kefir. Oh, okay. Because it ferments so fast?
1: So fast. And you're usually I'm usually adding um, uh, organic juice, which is high in sugar. So it's, it just gets all happy in the bottle. There again, I've learned. Don't have it on the counter. Send so all your fermented drinks in the sink with a bath towel on top. Not a tea towel because it will blow that right off. I found them 20 feet away once. Um, so I learned, so use a bath towel and birth them daily. Once you hear that pop, I usually let it sit for four hours and then I put it in the refrigerator. I'm not saying that once you hear it pop, put it back on and then put it in the refrigerator, especially if you have children. I always worried about people with children.
0: So since water kefir is one of the, you know, the worst offenders in that, how long would you lo- normally let that go?
1: Um, back when I was silly about it, three days. Now I, and that's, I wouldn't even check it till the second day. Not smart. Um, usually it's right around two days in the summertime. Right now it's probably three because the house is kept cooler. And we bring the temp lay down at night. So probably, but check it, every, every one of those explosions were my fault. I forgot to burp them, as they say, which means open up the bottle uh, and um, see where the um, fizziness is. You know, if you hear nothing, then obviously you still have another day. And sometimes that's not true. I've had it in the morning, Nothing. And so I forget to, I checked it at night. So i would check it at night and I'd had a little fountain. So I'm going, ooh, especially with that water control. Now I've had explosions with uh, kombucha, but not as many.
0: No, that makes sense. Yeah, I right.
1: would lost five or six bottles, my Italian bottles, in one week once. Oh. My husband was not happy and the cat wouldn't go in the kitchen. Because <laughs> <laughs> they sound like a little bomb going off. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, speaking of, you know, building up pressure and everything, I think the first, like, really exciting moment, I guess, in my fermentation career, if you can even call it that, but probably when I made some ginger ale, and I bottled it for a couple days, and I went to go open it, not really knowing what to expect, and it it completely sprayed me in the face, and I just started laughing, and it was like, you know, wow, I can't believe this actually worked.
1: (laughs) I know, that's what I say. I, I'm always amazed. Everyone says, well, yeah, I feel like you just started for a minute. I go, well, but this pile worked. <laughs> and it's, it's amazing to me what they, what they do and what they give us. I'm always excited when my sauerkraut works out and I'll say, cause I'll be doing certain things. Learn some, you know, Kansas City has a really big fermentation group and uh, they meet up for um, potlucks and all that. And I try to go to several of them a year and it's just, it, I always get excited going, yes, it's going to Kansas City, or yes, it's going to a potluck. Because at work, they'll ask me, well, what are you doing? And I says, I'll do this. Can you bring us in some? Of course. And it's just, it's always exciting when something works out. I just get, oh, I go, yay. <laughs> it's,
0: I guess it's also that empowerment. You know, you did it yourself.
1: Oh, and that's what a lot of it. I think that's what why people get into fermentation. For me, it's the total control. You know, nowadays you hear people eating spinach and they're getting sick and dying and all that because of the way it was treated. You know, fermentation wouldn't happen. If you did get that same bag, fermentation changes it.
0: Yeah, I've even heard stories of somebody ate a really poisonous mushroom. This might have been in one of Sandra Katz's books. Something about a poisonous mushroom, and since it was fermented, he had some of the effects, but not as much. I'm sure that's kind of anecdotal, but. Yeah, I, I think these bacteria and these microorganisms kind of deactivate a lot of those things.
1: Yes. I mean, it's just amazing. I don't know all about it. I just know it works. It's tasty and it's just good. I mean, you can put it on like, uh, you see them in the, uh, from the kitchen, they put it on, sa- they put it on pizza. Uh, I made a bread with it. I liked it. My husband didn't, but he doesn't like sauerkraut. It, it, you know, it's just, you can do a lot. It's not just eating a bowl of sauerkraut. It's what you can do with it.
0: I've oh, added yeah.
1: cream cheese. I've added it to mayonnaise. Chop it up finely. People will not even realize what it is. And <laughs> then you can turn it. If you're tired of it, turn around dehydrated. did it like the potato chips. You're tired of that. Then grind it in the um, spice mill and have this as salt.
0: Yeah, not only there, there's so many different things you can ferment, but so many different ways you can have each ferment in different forms. Exactly. With all of the different things that you've made... Which, you know, 30 years, that's quite a quite a long time. And then all of the different starters and everything you have. Is there anything like you really haven't done that you'd like to do in the future?
1: Yeah, I was thinking about that. And honestly, I can't think of anything right now. I, you know, Koji was the Koji bacon. I've only been doing that for about a year, a little over a year. It was one because I, I made my knees so bad. I was buying the Koji. Uh, it's just nothing that I can think of offhand. I'm sure there is. I know what it is. I've made soy sauce twice and they both bombed. I want to get a good soy sauce going.
0: Uh, I can't wait to see when you finally make that and, you know, post the pictures of it. I'm yeah. sure it's going to be way down the line, but.
1: Yeah, well, that, it takes a year. So, uh, but that's my next thing. Because I make my, I've been making my my own miju blocks, which is Korean. I'm going to be doing a Korean soy sauce with it. But I want to do, of course, a lot of it has fish. Of course, I just want a plain soy sauce where I can add what I want to it. But that's what I want to do is do a soy sauce and succeed at it. I've had two that went bad on me. They didn't go bad. They just stunk up the house.
0: Oh, wow. Stunk up the house in soy
1: sauce. Yeah. And it wasn't a good smell. <laughs> <laughs> My husband would walk in and says, wow, oh, you got some bad sauerkraut. I go, "No, It's not sauerkraut. He goes, I'll find it. And he couldn't find it. And he just got to the point. I says, It's either he's going to clean out the whole house or I got to get rid of those two things. So I got rid of those two things. But, um, being home in the summertime, I'll have the control of keeping it closer to the house so the animals can't get into it. But that's going to be my goal this summer. So that and wild vinegar. I keep trying every year and I haven't gotten a tasty one. It's where you try to get the vinegar fly in to your, um, sugar pot. You got sugar and water and it's outside and you try to tract. A tasty little vinegar fly.
0: A vinegar fly, as in an actual fly. Uh huh. Oh wow.
1: I had it in um, California, and then something happened to it. I don't know what, um, but um, I haven't. got tried it three years now, and it it, it could take you ten years, or maybe never. But yeah, I, I keep trying. And that's one thing I'd like to succeed at, because that's up to the fly. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I know, put out the welcome mat, you never know. Might...
1: Oh, I have been the little salt, sugar, not salt, <laughs> excuse me, sugar and water. That, yeah. that's, those are two things I can think of offhand.
0: Oh, I'm sure in the future you'll think of even more with all the things uh, well, it you're so doing. Bright,
1: it's, it's also the, the members. they'll say, oh, has anyone tried this? Oh, I haven't, but let me look into it.
0: There's just endless possibilities. And yes. um, yeah, if I ever get up in the St. Louis area, maybe... Uh, because you mentioned recently that you're actually starting, um, some different events for the Fermenter's Kitchen.
1: Yeah. Um, April 25th in Union, Missouri. It's where we can get it. It's at a Moose Lodge. I am holding, uh, Fermenter's Potluck. There's 500 people, which I don't think, but let's say 500 people show up. I can't feed all them. So we're doing it as a potluck. And anyone at the Fermenter's Kitchen or any of my other groups are invited along with people off the website are invited to come i'm going to be posting more after the first of the year that uh it's going to be we're going to have demos how to make a quick miso uh how to uh do a sourdough bread uh we're going to have a few vendors It's nothing's paid because it is a potluck But i told people they can they can bring their stuff um but it's just going to be a lot of fun i'm hoping i'm hoping to have a nice turnout
0: sounds like a lot of fun i guess byof. You know, bring your own ferments.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I like that one. Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah, it sounds really good. Uh, I've heard recently people are having kimchi parties and, you know, different groups where they they all get together and do some something around fermentation. What a, a great idea. I, I hope you have a lot of people that go to that. And um, don't forget to take pictures, too, and post them. Oh,
1: there's to pictures. There's a new video. Because, um, you know, a lot of people can't come. You know, I realize that. I'm hoping I'd love to see a hundred people. I would love it. Or more. Uh, it's definitely a place that you can park up and down. It's got a, it's got a driveway and all that. Uh, not driveway, parking lot. They do have events for 200 people. So, and just think, you bring in a friend that you're not sure about, bring in something you're not sure about. Ask people, what do you think of this? What do you think I could do better? I mean, that's what it's going to be all about. It's just going to be a fun event.
0: Sounds like a lot of fun, especially if you have, I don't know, maybe 20 people bringing 20 different sauerkrauts and you can taste them mm-hmm.
1: all. Yep. That's what I'm hoping for. And if, and if you're new at frontline team, you don't know what to bring, message me and I'll give you some really easy ideas.
0: <laughs>
1: if not, there's always paid the products. Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: So I've asked you like a ton of questions now. I actually wanted to get into, you know, the handful of audience questions from Fermenter's Kitchen that I had, I posted in the um, Fermenter's Kitchen Facebook group, you know, if anybody wanted to ask you any questions and we got, you know, quite a few people. So, you know, maybe if you could answer some of these really quickly. Sure. So the first person up is um coincidentally it was Mark Campbell. He he's always on the Facebook group all the time. Mm-hmm. He he makes some amazing ceramics and I'm I'm sure, you know, a lot of the audience members know all about him. I Probably quite a few. Now how many crocs from him do you have?
1: I have two crocs, a oil, a bowl, and he's sending me another croc today.
0: I saw a picture of one of the crocs that you had from him. Very beautiful. Yeah, yeah very beautiful. something else. Yes. But uh, and, of course, being a, a croc person, his question actually has to do with, you know, some crocs. So he says, how many crocs and ferments do you actually have going on right now?
1: Ferments, I had a lot. Um, crocs, as in full, I have about 18 of them full. And I had about 8 to 10 that are empty.
0: Wow, that's c- quite a few.
1: And that's just crocs. That's not my my um, jars. Well, crocs, they're just wonderful. I mean, you have to watch your that's more so than in jars, but they're decorative. If they're just, people will say, oh, that's an antique. No, that's actually got stuff in it, but, <laughs> you know, it's just, <laughs> they're just wonderful. They're pieces of art.
0: I guess maybe um, before I go into some other ones, what size Crocs do you actually like the best?
1: Um, my best is, uh, I like uh three gallon, five gallon. And I do have some one gallon on like uh, my Nisos. I have several that are in three gallon. And then I have some that are in uh, one gallon. Uh, I do like... And then, of course, I, I have some of Mark's smaller ones, mm-hmm. the half-gallon. Uh, I like that for um, batches that I'm uh, not too sure if I'm gonna like. so I right. going to like. So I just to add some of those. So it's, you know, I'd say most people would like the one-gallon.
0: Do you find yourself fermenting more with crocks than, like, mason jars or, you know, with any of the specialty lids or anything?
1: It's, it's actually a little bit of both. Depending on what i um, If it's a smelly ferment... It's going in with the, um, the special lids and, uh, the fetos because I have to worry about my husband. he has a better nose than I do. He'll say, I smell something. I go, it's called dinner.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and sometimes that's all it is, but, um, but Crocs, I like it because it gives you a bigger area to look at and I can do bigger amounts. If I'm doing, you know, I can't imagine having 10 little quart sized jars of miso. So it's it, it, it really good I thought once you start collecting crocs, you want them all.
0: Oh, I could see that. Yeah. So the next question comes in from Alexis Mobley or Mobley. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. But she says, and you answered part of this. How did you get started in fermenting? And what's your motivation for continuing?
1: How, well, the, the organics, I just started by accident. <laughs> I was eating called fermenting back then. It was, oh, I want to learn this. I want to learn that. Uh, what keeps me going is uh the food. I mean, you're taking a raw food and making it even better. So it's the taste. And, of course, the group. I mean, sometimes you say, oh, you know, I need some inspiration. I'll go to the group and I'll start reading. Go, oh, yeah, I like that. Oh, yeah. And the group seems to know. It's almost like they have the ESP. Well, Jean, what do you think of the, why don't we try this? Yes, let's get this and try So it's really a lot of fun when you start thinking, they also inspire each other and me.
0: Sounds a lot like fermentation.
1: Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's what it is, isn't it?
0: Yeah, a fermenting culture. So let's see. The next one comes in from Deborah Stevens. And she says, what are some innovative uses for cultures like ginger bug, water kefir grains, et cetera? Like, you know, other uses besides what they're usually used for.
1: Well, it's kind of hard because they are more liquid. Um, you know, when you start getting into like, uh, kombucha, you can do more because you can let it go to vinegar. People use it as a hair tonic, uh, hair rams, uh, people use it. Uh why Because it is so sticky. You gotta really be careful. And that's what I tell people when you're working with kombucha. Um, don't, even if it goes to vinegar, because I've done it, uh, don't clean your countertops because they'll be sticky afterwards. Because it still has some sugar, so with the water kefir, it's really quite hard other than drinks. Now, when you get into milk kefir, you can do a lot more. You can make those uh, little balls because you can drain it dry. Uh, you know, uh, you can make with the grains. You can make your mock sour cream with them. I love doing that. I never buy sour cream; I buy cream and then add that. The, and same with the bug. Is you know, I have the bug. I just don't drink all your bug because then you're, you're you're out. It's just it's a drink. It's because they're sticky, you know.
0: I also heard, um, using it like a sourdough starter type of thing.
1: I have never done that. Uh, I've heard people do that with kombucha too. Um, I can see the other two. I didn't, but there again, with sourdough, you're actually wanting just the wild yeast, flour, and water, which a lot of times the yeast is already in the flour. So that's why, especially in the summertime, you get a, a bigger, That I, I don't know if I could do that because then you're, adding. I'm more of the traditionalist. You're adding another flavoring or culture to it. So, I, I don't, I've heard people, they seem to love it.
0: Yeah, my, my previous guest, Melanie Hoffman, part of your group, she actually uses that um, kombucha for sourdough starters. And she's said she had pretty good success with it. So, you know, that's one other thing to add. So. Yep.
1: Yeah, and um, I heard people do it with milk here too, which I don't oh, know about yeah. being milk, but.
0: I could probably see that. You know, I, I mean.
1: I could see all of them actually.
0: So let's see. The next one is from Ash Tuesday, and she says, do you have any other passions or hobbies besides fermentation?
1: Fermentation's not it. Um, that thing, It's because it, it it goes the gamut from making wine. I am going to start doing cheese as soon as I find a raw milk, uh, which is ferment, too. It's, fermentation really covers just not anything. But do I do anything else? Um, I like traveling. Uh, to me, actually, when I travel, I always put it out on – um the group. Is there anyone in I'll say Seattle area who'd like to meet up? Is there anyone in Chicago? So wherever I go, I love meeting my, the members. I have met some well, they've all been great. What can I say? They've all been wonderful.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, just perusing in there, not even posting, just reading everything. Everybody's, you know, they're they're a lot of fun in there. So yes. many, so many great ideas. Yep. So the next one, let's see, Carla Diana or Dana. She says, uh Do non fermenters notice an odor in your home? And how much space do you have devoted to fermentation and storing your products?
1: The answer, of course, would be yes, because my husband notices it. Uh, Anyone else that comes to the house is basically a fermenter. So they don't, they don't notice. Uh, My husband will, especially if it's something that's one of those smelly ones. Stay as in keeping my ferments. I actually have ferments in different parts of the house. The only place so far that I do not have ferments and I will not have ferments because I said that about the master bedroom um, is the bathrooms. But they're basically in every part of the house. I'm one of these ones that does not have a lot of good luck. So I intentionally, like my kombucha is in the kitchen cabinets. Being there always will be there. Um, my sourdough starters are um, on the other side. And, of course, if I'm working with my kombucha, I don't work on my sourdough for a couple of days to let the wild yeast and all that calm down. So I'm always looking at that. Yeah, I'm always looking at that because cheese making and sourdough breads or even yeast breads are one of the ones that like to get happy in the air and they love to land on something.
0: Yeah, actually, you know, since you brought that up, that's actually the next question from Jane Perry. She says, what distance is sufficient for keeping ferments from, you know, crossover that you use?
1: Different parts of the house. I know not everyone can I, I actually live in a small house, but different parts of the house. And I know a lot of people can't do that. I'd say at least six feet. And you know, and there again if you have your milk cathir, which is what I do, I have it in a um fido. My water kafir is in a fido because they don't need to breathe where my kombucha needs to. So they're they're a little bit easier to have closer.
0: Have you had any problems with that?
1: I have not. But I'm also I know my luck. So I, I keep everything like I keep everything at a distance. I want to make bread for a couple of days. Just when I know, I say, oh, my kombucha needs to be drained and all that so I can make the soda. So I want to even do bread for two days. I don't okay. touch anything with any of that because my luck is not great. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone says it is. I, You know what I mean? It's, I just don't want to take any chance because I look at these as my children.
0: Oh, I could definitely see that with how how many different starters that you've had for several decades now. Yeah.
1: They're, yeah. they're just my babies and I just, it would really break my heart if anything happened.
0: Yeah. And I'm sure you probably pass a lot of those on to, to people too. At oh, least.
1: well, I I do, I call it little giveaways. I'm going to be doing one soon, which will be on yogurts and it's going to be uh, dried. And you know, all I ask, you know, I'll say, like the page. That's all I ask. It's real easy. I even give them the little thing so they can go like it. I says, write down saying whatever you want. Say, I liked it. It's all I need. And then we, I'll be picking up six people uh and then i just send it because it's only a post everyone says oh, i can send you no 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 just send it and then uh come christmas week sometime i going to do another book giveaway and it's just fun things uh you know it's just you know uh, it's always fermented related the books <laughs> i get them the choice of two and everyone says well if that one isn't taken i go it's all through amazon don't worry about it
0: <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure a lot of people look forward to that
1: yeah, well, yeah, they do. I just had one a little bit ago, and I gave away two books. And I saw that. I, yeah, I've done it before. I did it in the summertime. I just didn't get the amount of people. I was just like, whoa, I don't remember what book. I think it was um the Firmitation by Sandra Katz was the giveaway, and and another one in case they had it, because you know, that's a very good book to start with. Yeah, so that's what I do. I do little things mm-hmm. like that, and sometimes it's just like a sourdough starter. I give them away. Um And, and anyone, What should be saying this. If <laughs> you sit there and say, Jane, I really, really want it. Jane says, Jane just care. I just, I guess can't say no to people because it's hard. I remember when I was young. I didn't have the money. I was lucky. People just gave me stuff. The cafe gave me my sourdough starter. Uh, another friend gave me my um, uh, red wine vinegar. You know, uh, my friend's grandmother taught me how to make sauerkraut.
0: Uh, it's It's great getting, you know, that information from people that just, just keep on passing it on down the line. You know, I guess that's how we keep it alive.
1: Exactly. And that's how it's going to keep getting stronger, too.
0: So let's see. The next question is from Sherit Wyatt Yearwood. And she says, how do you control fruit flies and gnats?
1: I don't bring bananas in the house. That's where a lot of it comes from. And I, um if I'm working with fresh fruit and it's full of my um, drinks, when they come in the house, I stick them right in the freezer. Because that's where a lot of that stuff comes off is your fresh fruits. Other than that, I did have a bit of a problem this year. It wasn't bad compared to what some people have. There was like four of them around. And then I realized I had a banana sit now for too long. And I don't like doing that because that's usually going for the worms. So I put that, I automatically put it in the freezer. And then they do, seems like once you get one, you always have some. You other notice that?
0: Oh, Yeah. I know it's just
1: like you have three, and then you have. I know they had a bad problem. I don't think I ever had more than ten. That it's just that it's really hard. Um, a lot of people have uh, success with either kombucha that's gone a little bit vinegary or vinegar and poke and they had some ran wrap with some holes with on um, the rubber band around it. But mine's never in the right spot. I don't know. I'll move it to a spot where that. I'll go look a couple of days later. I go nothing, nothing. Yet they're still flying around. I go, mm, I'm going to put more around. So basically, if you work on fresh fruit and it's for your drinks, not to just eat, stick it in the freezer. That makes it so much easier.
0: And I'm sure you probably cover everything too. So nothing oh, yeah. will, so no, no fruit flies or gnats will actually get into
1: the different. No. And also when you're doing this, especially, especially with kombucha because it has some reed, um, when I take off the, um, cheesecloth, I have a brand new one that I'm sticking on top that's in a, in a, uh, bag. So it's not even sitting out for anything to land on.
0: That's a great idea.
1: And then, of course, I rub a bandit real tight because and that's how a lot people, I think what they've been doing is they've been tipping it because it only takes them a second. Let's face it, they're, they're clever. They're, they're meant to survive. And I think what they've accidentally done is, um, taken it and turned it upside down. And that's how they've gotten in.
0: All right. So the next one, it looks like from Diane Donnelly Sheriff. And she says, can I reuse my brine from carrots, garlic, jalapenos, and such?
1: No, I don't like that. You're changing your ferments. Um, drink it. Use it in um, things. I've, I've added it to, to, instead of adding these, I've added it to soups. I've dehydrated it to make it a nice, delicious salt. You can do that in the oven. Um, I, what you're doing is you're introducing something that's already fermented to a non-ferment. You're do, you're, let's say you're adding it to sauerkraut, well, cabbage, because it's not sauerkraut, or even carrots. You're, you're skipping stages.
0: Gotcha. I guess so. It, it should probably actually work, but in terms of like the best quality, you're just saying just right. go ahead and use the brine for something else and
1: yep. drink gotcha. it. Yeah, drink, drink it. Um, oh,
0: yeah. I, I like to use it on, um, say, making rice instead of using water, or actually, I'll, I'll put a little bit of that with the water. Yes. Or, even in mashed potatoes, is really good.
1: I was just going to say, mashed potatoes I've done. Um, you know, I've, I've added it to, um, don't say anything. I've added it
0: to,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've added it to um, a stuffing.
0: Oh, that's a good one.
1: You know, yeah. you get yeast and decide you won't go. I mean, some of it, I go, oh, this won't go because it's just way too sour. Um, but yeah, some of it just goes, especially when you get something like ginger carrots where it's not real gingery, really goes good with a stuffing.
0: Yeah, that, that's great. So the next one it looks like is Amanda Punero. And she asks, uh, which was, I had this question, but I figured I would just leave it up to her to ask it is, has fermenting changed your health or anyone that you share ferments with?
1: That's a hard one because I've been doing it for so long. I, I was 24 when I started. So it, it's hard, you know, throughout time, I, you know, I started when I was healthy and all that. And still doctors still say I'm very healthy. I'm not too sure. Uh, I Sharing it. I don't really have anyone here in the area. My husband won't touch it. You though he'll get a cold and I won't. So I, I do believe it has helped. And then when I go home, they only get it once a year. Uh, I, you know, like my dad, uh, he gets at least 8 to 10 to 15 different different sauerkrauts. And then I give them some different things. Uh, and then I give stuff to my brothers and, and their family. So it's hard for me to say. I know a lot of people have. I do believe it has prevented colds a mat, that, But that's just my belief.
0: Okay. The next one is from Linda Scott. And she ha- actually has a comment and then, the, then a question. But she says, I think Jane shares the answers of anything she has asked. And she is more generous and energetic about mentoring than anyone else I've ever met in my uh, very fortunate life and career. And she's a dynamo. And where does she find the time?
1: Well, now that I'm not working, it's really easy. Before, because when you work retail. I'd get Monday and Thursday off. Of course, right now, it'd be six days a week, more than eight hours a day. Uh, but you just find the time. On the friendly, you find the time for the things you love to do.
0: Okay. Yeah. I
1: love fermenting. I mean, instead of watching TV at night, I'd be chopping cabbage.
0: Yeah, that's a big time waster right there, the television. And of course, I'm guilty myself of that.
1: <laughs> oh, and, well, and me too, especially now that I'm not working. Uh, and <laughs> even the computer. So, so what I'd be doing, cause I, I always like making sure with the group, uh, you know, I'd have my phone by me and say, well, let's just, you know, I got a few minutes and then take a look. Um, but you can find times, you know, people will sit there and say, I don't have any time, but they're reading a book. I, I'm not saying that's not important. Don't get me there. It's just that you just down two hours to read a book.
0: Yeah, I agree with that.
1: So it's, it's all on your priorities, you know, and I know people with children is harder. I know that. But, you know, you'll work it in and you don't have to do the amount I do. You will sooner or later, but you know, you start out with one head of cabbage, add in what you love. Make mm-hmm. sure it's spicy. I love spicy. <laughs> oh yes. And then, you know, I love spicy. I, I have friends, they go, oh, this is hot. I go, I only added two habanero, two, uh, jalapenos. What are you talking about? <laughs> cause usually I add four or five to a cap- to one head of cabbage. Oh, this is, like oh, know it's not hot. <laughs> but for me, cause I love it. Uh, it's just, it's fun.
0: So this next one comes in from, looks like somebody that actually just joined, like right before we did this interview. And she asked, for, it's, um, Joyce Chung. And she says, what is the craziest fermenting experience you've ever had?
1: Probably the fish sauce. And people don't understand. You're working with whole fish. You got to chop them up to fit in the container. Now it is a apito that it does. Even when I opened it, it's never stuck. So right now I have to say the fish sauce is my craziest one so far.
0: I'm sure we'll see pictures of that in the future. Well,
1: <laughs> I posted one where something was floating. I says, you know, don't look at this because I, because then I turned around, made several comments. So you had to hit. You know, you had to see, you have to hit the little button to see it all. And I says, do not hit the button if you do not want to see what's floating. I did that once. I go, I don't think I'm going to do that again. They weren't, they didn't like seeing that. (laughs) (laughs) I says, that's what it is. That's what this sauce is. Fish and salt and it makes its own sauce. So far, that's the craziest thing.
0: So the last few we have here, it looks like from Nicholas Stevens. He asks, where do you find the most delicious recipes? Do you actually, um, ma- it, it, I guess just make them up and.
1: Exactly. The most delicious recipes is no matter what you're working with, whether it's a grind vegetable or a sauerkraut, use what you love. Uh, you know, I, I, used to, I was saying, I used to add broccoli. I hate broccoli. Um, you won't see me work with coconut. I don't like it. I shouldn't say hate. I don't like broccoli. And so and it's just use what you love and see if it works together. Sometimes I get these wild things in my head, and they turned out terrible. Don't add cinnamon to your sauerkraut. No matter how sweet you think it's going to be, it doesn't work.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I have, I'm actually happy I've never even thought of that. <laughs> well, I
1: added it because I was after a sweeter uh, sauerkraut because I had carrots. There was nothing spicy. I made it like a sweeter one, as sweet as you can get naturally. I thought, well, geez, cinnamon might make it taste good. Oh, my God. Goodness, that was horrible. No amount of time let us say that one. So don't add cinnamon to your sauerkraut <laughs> or to your grind carrots. Not good.
0: No, uh, I can imagine that. No. So Robert Graves asks, and you've actually already gone all over this, but maybe just a couple more little tips if you have. How do you best prevent dangerous explosions?
1: Work daily. Um, especially with your, um, uh, your glass jars, bottles. You know, dealing with your drinks. I have not had one with a theta. I know Sarah has. She said she did have an explosion. Um, one is um, watch your space. Only feel to the shoulder. That's not the top of the shoulder. To the shoulder. Um, if you have a very real active ferment, then I'd sit it in the sink to remind you to to uh, open it up. You know, once things are put away in the refrigerator, sometimes they get forgotten. That um, anything that's in the kitchen sink doing dishes many times a day it's always there so i know to open it And i have done that ever since uh she said she had one a theater that um exploded uh she's i if i had a real active ferment and you know when it's sitting out you should be looking at at least every few days and you can tell if it's active you can tell by looking at because you'll see all these bubbles and i've had a few that were real the spicy crowd i did it was the red cabbage uh six uh jalapenos um, I added onion and I added garlic and that for some reason it was a very active one. So I did open that to about every three days.
0: All right. Yeah. It's a great idea, especially leaving it in the, in the sink. That would definitely remind you.
1: And when you leave it in the sink, so this way, if anything does happen, it's not on your counter. True. And on your floor.
0: So it looks like this last one comes in from Gail Raymond and she says, what would be maybe a few of your best tips for fermenting?
1: Oh there again use what you love <laughs>
0: check
1: I figured your ferments often i don't care what kind of container you're using i find when people don't check it, it on them in three weeks especially when you're new you have to come and sometimes it's mold because something has floated to the top and i've got mold and fight everything has to be below the line gotcha that's that's the one thing check often i still check them it. make me happy.
0: So I guess just the, the last couple of questions I'll ask you. So on, on your website, you have several how-tos, a bunch of recipes, you know, with pictures and a members area. Can you maybe talk a little bit about, you know, what you, when you got that going and what's next in your plans for, you know, Fermenter's Kitchen?
1: Um, it's been about a year and a half, year and a half, two years. It was after I started Fermenter's Kitchen, the group. I I, I like posting recipes. Uh, I actually post them there, then I, when we're doing the, um, event each month. Uh, so for this one, I did do it on the group because it wasn't my recipe. It was Sharon, one of my admins who says, oh, here's an easy one for everyone to do. It was the Christmas soda, I ca- we called it. Uh, so that wasn't mine. So when I do that, I always post on the group. Uh, but, uh, they're basically my recipes. Um, and I, you know, I get the ideas basically from a uh, special blog post, uh, in the sourdough group. They were asking me, how do you dry sourdough starter? I want to dry it and I want to send it or I want to keep some. So it's really easy. So it was a blog post. So a lot of my blog posts come from my group. Um, what's next is definitely more recipes. Um, I'm changing the paid part. Um, that's coming up next year. Well, I'll make sure it's next month. Then the next few months, that's going to be changing. Uh, what's next? I'm hoping more bigger and better things for our fermenters kitchen and the group.
0: That sounds pretty exciting. Yeah. I know I was talking to it was either Saffron or Sherry. They kind of like hinted at maybe you'll start doing some videos, but I know you're a little camera shy. So
1: I, when I do videos, it's always from the always. The, and I, I got to get over that. Uh, that's what they keep saying. Jane would met you. You're just I said that I'm not gorgeous. I you know I'm in my mid fifties. I'm not. And they go. Who cares? <laughs> so right. I have to get over that. But I will be doing videos, uh, April 25th. We will be doing, um videos. And I do have some videos on the, um, website. Uh, how to make rolls, you know, cause a lot of people don't understand the rolling. How to, um, uh, need your bread. Uh, I got a few of them. I have some, um, I have an ebook, uh, Milk tea, tea which is free. We have, uh, holiday tags um which is all free so uh, i'm not one of these ones that everything has to be paid because what's the point i love doing the free parts too and
0: those are all out at your website right
1: yeah uh you go out there actually the tags are in both because we actually had the tags at in the kitchen first the group and then i says well, i said to my web designer who's also an admin um i said to her i says can we also um have it on the website too so she'd run them over because not everyone must be on um, Facebook. Or sometimes they'll just go to the website looking for things. So, yes, it's on both s- sections, the tags. Yep.
0: Okay. And I guess, you know, maybe just some um, parting advice or, say, a beginner. What would be, like, your advice to somebody just getting into it? And
1: I Do hand slicing. I like, like, you know, the only time I take out my craut board is when I get 30 pounds or more cabbage, cabbage. I do do that. But I hand slice anything from basically 28 pounds and under, get a good knife. You'll be happy. Get a decent cutting board, a little bit bigger than you think if you can do it. If not, work with what you have. And that's nothing. Work with what you have. You do not need fancy bottles. You do not need fancy jars. I started out with a, a ragu jar that was used. It uh, was clean. It was given to me clean. I turned around, and that's what I started working with in the beginning. Fermentation is as expensive as you want to make it. If you don't have money, you can you can make wonderful stuff. You do not need fancy equipment. It's fun to have it, but you don't need it. Make things that you like.
0: Oh, that's great. And, you know, I have to say this whole talk was just, it was so wonderful. You're, you're such a fun person to talk to. So um, where, where can actually anybody find, you know, your website? Or, you know, do you have any other social networks that, you know, you're part of? Obviously the Facebook group, but where can they go to follow you?
1: From Inter's Kitchen, of course. That's a, that's a group that you ask to join. I also have a, um, a page, which is all alike. I have the sourdough, um, group. Sourdough, uh, I have a, a, the Artemiso. Cause I found that, like right now with the uh, winter, I'm doing a lot of bacon. People don't want to see five loaves. We're in sourdough, they love seeing five lows. <laughs> five <laughs> five rides a week and then the art of miso it's a slower group because miso is slower that people ask people post pictures of miso soup where they go in the from interest kitchen um because they just feel you know well, i've had this you know and i we, i love it I, I i don't care you guys can post anything you want from this kitchen the other one is course is my oh, website from com.
0: i think you even have a one on wine too a facebook group
1: yes i do i don't go there often and i should uh it's just like it's been you know, a bit overwhelming with uh since from the just kitchen got so large, not overwhelming, but it's like it's large. Uh, I like to see what's going on in the group, as in um, making sure people are getting their questions answered, uh, making sure things are un- up and up.
0: Yeah, I got you. Yeah. All right. So, Everything we've talked about on today's show will be in the show notes. And I invite everyone to come out to fermentationpodcast.com. Leave some comments. You know, if you have any questions about today's episode, and definitely get out to Jane's website, fermenterskitchen.com. And especially go to the Facebook group. You know, just search on Fermenter's Kitchen, and it, it should be there. It's a closed group. You have to ask permission to join, but, you know, they're very welcoming there and everybody is wonderful. So, Jane, I really appreciate you coming on the show and it was been such a fun interview. Thank you so much.
1: Well, thank you, Paul. It was really a lot of fun.
0: All right. This has been Paul Bates from the Fermentation Podcast, along with Jane Campbell, encouraging you to put fermentation into practice, ferment responsibly, and get out there and create some culture.